SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Camaragal people and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water. Yuri Damarang, I'm your host Luana Grant and welcome to NITV Radio for this Friday the 20th of the 22nd of September. Coming up on the show today, we catch up with Akala Newman, a proud Wiradjuri and Gadigal singer-songwriter from Sydney, who is one of the most anticipated First Nations performers and participants at this year's Arts and Cultural Exchange flagship series Ace at Dusk. Also coming up on today's show, a first ever at London Fashion Week, a show dedicated to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander designers, has been held at Australia House. And I chat to award-winning artist and a man who has been at the forefront campaigning for First Nations rights for decades, Richard Bell, who stars in SBS and NITV's feature-length documentary, You Can Go Now, premiering this Sunday at 8.30pm. All these stories and more coming to you after the latest news. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy directed outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. In this bulletin, senior Yongu clan elder from the Northern Territory says he's voting no in the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum. Treasurer Jim Chalmers unveils a record final surplus of $22 billion. And in sport, Australia Cricket releases new uniforms featuring a First Nations design. A senior Yongu clan elder and civil rights activist from the Northern Territory says he's voting no in the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum and has argued a yes vote is another step towards assimilation. Reverend Dr Gondara says the voice can't represent the views of all First Nations people and he believes it would demean sovereignty. It comes after the Dilak Council met with the Prime Minister at the Gama Festival in August to express their support for The Voice. Reverend Gondara says he will continue advocating for treaty. I call for treaty. Treaty now, as Manda was saying, you to Indy. Treaty now, I never been happen in his lifetime. We need hope to see treaty through you to Indy. Treasurer Jim Chalmers is expected to reveal a record final surplus of $22 billion for last financial year. It will be the first time in 15 years the government has brought in more revenue than it has spent. Economists predict the surplus is thanks to high prices for commodity exports and robust job growth. Treasurer Jim Chalmers told Sky News the surplus is due to good management by the Albanese government. When you get uh, a, an improvement in revenue that, like we have had as a consequence largely of a stronger labour market but also good prices for our exports, what matters is what you do with that. 
and what we've been able to do is to bank almost all of it to get the budget in much better nick at the same time as we're rolling out billions of dollars in cost of living help. Our predecessors used to spend most of these revenue upgrades. We have banked almost all of it. Australia's road toll has increased with more than 100 people killed in road accidents last month alone. New figures by the Federal Transport Department show Australia recorded its highest August road toll since 2018. New South Wales and South Australia recorded the highest increases, up by more than 20%, including cyclists and pedestrians. The rise sets back national targets to halve road deaths by 2030. Experts say the threat of another world-altering pandemic looms larger by the day as climate change continues to worsen. Australian Medical Association President Steve Robson told the ABC it is very likely a similar sickness will sweep the world once again. We, we know that there are a number of viruses, you know, other coronaviruses and so on, that are on the periphery of our communities and it would not take much, particularly with climate change, changing the ecology. Um, these things are likely to happen again. As a result, he and other experts have welcomed the government's efforts to review its response to COVID-19. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese and Health Minister Mark Butler yesterday announced a 12-month inquiry into the pandemic, which will examine the provisions of vaccines, mental health support for those impacted by COVID-19 and lockdowns, financial support and assistance for Australians abroad. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is visiting the White House for a meeting with the United States President Joe Biden. Mr Zelensky has stopped by the capital to garner support for more aid for his country's war with Russia, followed by a visit to the Pentagon. It's his second visit to Washington since Russia invaded Ukraine in February 2022 and comes as Mr Biden's request to Congress for an additional $24 billion for Ukraine's military and humanitarian needs is hanging in the balance. But US National Secretary Advisor Jake Sullivan says a new package of military assistance will be announced today. These capabilities will help Ukraine harden its defenses ahead of what is likely to be a tough winter. The package the president will announce today will also include weapons and equipment to help Ukraine maintain its momentum in the counteroffensive. That includes additional ammunition for U.S.-provided HIMARS systems, anti-armor capabilities, artillery ammunition, and more DPICMs, which have helped Ukraine make gains and, crucially, also helped Ukraine defend against counterattacks. President Zelensky has thanked Mr. Biden. I felt trust between us and it allowed us to have a frank and constructive dialogue, Mr. President, and this trust and support I felt from both chambers and both parties. I'm grateful for this. Experts say World Alzheimer's Day has been marked globally at a pivotal time in the research of the disease. More than 55 million people suffer from the degenerative and incurable brain disease, but scientists say this is an exciting time with real progress being made. Clinical trials show two drugs are now seeking regulatory approval and researchers say other drugs in development are promising. Dr Stephanie Fowler is a neuroscientist at UCL's UK Dementia Research Institute and Drug Discovery Institute. For the first time we can see that Alzheimer's disease is no longer intractable. We have a very clear path to reducing um, the severity and 
um, slowing disease progression in Alzheimer's disease. So that's really encouraging for all of the other therapies that are sort of up and coming is that we actually can do something to better this disease. More than 400,000 people are living with dementia in Australia and it remains the second highest cause of death. The Northern Territory's Helicopter Search and Rescue Service has received a boost in funding and a second rescue helicopter to support emergency medical services in the top end. The $19 million in funding aims to strengthen capabilities to provide emergency medical care in Northern Australia. The additional helicopter will increase CareFlight's emergency rescue coverage in remote areas and it will operate all year round. Minister for Health and Aged Care Mark Butler says the additional funding will aid in improving emergency care for those who have the least access. We also have the challenge of living in this vast continent where the tyranny of distance means that people living outside our major cities like Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane don't always have access to the sort of healthcare that people in the big cities are able to take for granted. And having this sort of evacuation capability and retrieval capability is just so important to close that tyranny of distance. For the first time, Australia's High Commission in the United Kingdom has hosted an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander fashion show. The event, held during London Fashion Week, gave an opportunity for six First Nations designers to show off their labels to industry chiefs and influencers. Designer of Kamara Swim, Naomi Collings, says it's a breakthrough moment. To be honest, it's quite unbelievable that I'm here, that the brand is here. Um, What started as a little brand um, out of Townsville in North Queensland is now being showcased commercial ready on an international stage. Cricket Australia has released its new international uniforms for the next two seasons and they'll all include a First Nations design for the first time. Auntie Fiona Clark's Walk About Wicket's artwork features in all three kits and pays tribute to the pioneering Indigenous cricketers which toured England in 1868. All one-day matches will see green kits being worn, while T20 players will sport yellow outfits. Australian bowler Mitchell Stark and Australian captain Alyssa Healy have welcomed the new kits. I think it's great having the Indigenous artwork on, on all the kit. Uh, I think... We've been pushing for that for, for a long time and now to have it represented on all, all three formats uh, in the, the uniform is fantastic. It's been a long time coming. I, I think we've had walking wickets on our, on our collars for uh, a little while now, but to have um, the Indigenous design actually embedded in our kit I think is fantastic and um, long may it continue. And now for a look at today's weather. Perth, mostly sunny 25, Adelaide, sunny 22, Melbourne, partly cloudy 16, Hobart, much the same, Aubrey-Wodonga, partly cloudy 19, Canberra, sunny 18, Wollongong, partly cloudy 18, Sydney, also partly cloudy 20, Newcastle, much the same 21, Brisbane, partly cloudy 24, Townsville, mostly sunny 30, Cairns, sunny 31, Darwin, also sunny 34, Alice Springs, sunny 31, and the Torres Strait Islands, sunny 31. And that is NITV Radio News. NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. 
with NITV Radio. Welcome back. I'm your host, Luana Grant, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Still to come on the show, NITV Radio chats to Akala Newman, a proud Wiradjuri and Gadigal singer-songwriter from Sydney, who is one of the most anticipated First Nations performers and participants in this year's Arts and Cultural Exchange flagship series, Ace at Dusk. And... A very, a first ever at London Fashion Week, a show dedicated to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander designers has been held at Australia House. But first, in the lead up to the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum, SBS and NITV are premiering a lineup of documentaries around the discussion. One of those documentaries is You Can Go Now, directed by Larissa Barrent and starring award-winning artist and activist Richard Bell. The documentary explores Bell's extraordinary life and work and how art frames 50 years of First Nations activism in our country. The documentary also features a number of prominent cultural and political personalities. I caught up with Richard Bell to talk more. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by award-winning artist and man who has been at the forefront campaigning for First Nations rights for decades, Richard Bell, who stars in SBS and NITV's feature-length documentary, You Can Go Now. Richard, thanks so much for joining me today on NITV Radio. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Before we get into talking about the compelling documentary, you have been active in the community with your advocacy work for decades as well as an artist, but can you tell us a little bit about your life growing up in central Queensland? It was pretty similar to most black fellows at that time, I guess. You're like, uh, we were just coming out of um, the 1960s, you like, uh, um, and that was, you know, really quite challenging for us. You know, like uh, when I was born, we weren't allowed to live in towns um, uh, that didn't come until the 60s. I was born in, the, in 1953, so you know, um, it took a, a while before we were allowed to live in town with the white people. So, it, you know, it was it was pretty tough. You know, I think I went to seven different schools. Um, and that sort of made life a little bit harder. Hard, but I, I, I never found it hard <laughs> at the time. Mm. Like, uh, I don't think so. When you grew up, you were a part of a generation of so many staunch, strong First Nations activists, and you really got involved in the Redfern community alongside people such as Gary Foley and the late Sol Blair. Can you tell us a little bit about this time and the movement of Aboriginal politics and self-determination that you were a part of? Um, you know, I, I got there uh, probably in the mid seventies into, into Redfern, you know, from, you know, from uh, late nineteen seventy four. You know, and I was, was there until uh, nineteen eighty four. Um, it was it was amazing um, uh, just to be in that community at the time. You know, there were so many blackfellas. You know, there, there were. Um, I'd used to being growing up in the little country towns where blackfellas were outnumbered, you know, like, uh, three, four, even more to one, you know. So uh, to get you know, into Redfern and be able to go to different places, you know, like, and you know, the the vast majority of people in the place would would be blackfellas, you know, like, uh, and there were lots of people talking about um, 
our conditions that that we were living in, you know, like and what we had grown up in, and they wanted to do something about it. Um, and I was interested in you know, these discussions and uh, these actions that they were taking. It, it was fantastic. I, I, I thought I'd you know, uh, join in the protests and that um, support the, the people pushing for our rights, our continued rights, including land rights, you know, which um, we didn't get in, in 1992 after the Mabo decision. We got native title instead. And can you talk to us a little bit more about the land rights movement that you were helping advocate for? Uh, yeah, well, um, uh, I ended up getting a job at the, the uh, Aboriginal Legal Service there. Um, and Paul Coe sent a message around to the community. I was, I think I was living around the corner, probably about 250 metres from where the Legal Service office was. So I've got a... I ended up going down and having a talk with Paul and some of the other legendary figures, you know, like, uh, and, you know, of the, the land rights movement at that time, you know, Paul, Paul Coe, Billy Craigie, Lyle Munro Jr., Cecil Patton, I think Kenny Weldon was there too, you know, so there was quite, quite a few people. There was, um, uh, Isabel Coe was, um, uh, and her sister Jenny Munro, they were working at the, the children's service, you know, along with uh, one of my best mates, Dave Fernando. So, um, and we just got, whenever somebody said there was a protest, <laughs> we'd, we'd turn up. And you're an internationally renowned artist working across a range of various mediums. Can you describe your, your passion for art and how you uh, incorporate your political views through your artworks? I came to art very late in my life. So, like, I, I think I was 33 or something, you know, um, maybe, but maybe a bit younger. But um, I had no idea, you know, like, uh, what it was like um, and what opportunities um, presented themselves, you know, for for blackfellas and for blackfellas to to advocate for for our rights. Um, but what I was told early on that, that um, I could. I could say and do more, you know, like uh, in art, you know, like, uh, and not get arrested. You know, like, uh, <laughs> that, that was pretty attractive to me. And You Can Go Now is a compelling personal story examining your life and career and how art frames 50 years of First Nations activism in our country. Can you tell us more about the doco and how it first came about? The, the, it came about because uh, the Tate Modern, um, uh, they... Uh, have these little mini documentaries that they make um, about um, artists and uh, usually about you know, two and a half, three minutes. But uh, the young lady who, who um, they set out to me, she wanted to do something that was a bit more significant, like uh, more like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I was one of the first that got the 10-minute the treatment. Um, and um, that served as a sizzle reel, you know, for, for us... Uh, uh, moving forward, like I'm, I'm interested in film filmmaking, you know, like uh, uh, like a lot of a lot of other blackfellas, and and I see it as as a you know a, a great way of telling our stories. You know, like uh, well, this opportunity, you know, getting this uh, documentary made, meant that I got um, a credit as a, an executive producer. You know, so that'll help. Um, and in future projects where I'm looking for 
um, uh, funding and looking to, to get films made. <laughs> and can you talk to us a little bit more about the actual documentary you can go now? It was directed by award-winning filmmaker Larissa Barrent, and she's been involved in so many important documentaries telling the history of our country and Indigenous Australia. What was it like working with her as well? Um, look, it was it was great. You know, I I I didn't want to um, interfere you know, with with the making of of the film. Um, uh, to be honest, um, um, I didn't have much say um, in, in it. You know, look, I, I got to of course I got to check um, uh, the final check with uh, the edit. Um, there were minimal uh, things uh, that I wanted in, in there. I think I just wanted you know, to get, make sure that my best mate you know, made it into the film. And can you tell us a little bit more about the documentary? It frames um, me and my career you know, beside um, the movement, which is um, how how I wanted the the, the film to go. You know, like uh, I, I didn't want it to be just all about me. Um, so um, Larissa did a fantastic job of, of um, putting together a, a story that wasn't entirely just about me. It was, it was um, I, I had to share the you know the, the stage with the movement with uh, the people in that in that movement. Um, you know, most of them, you know, who, who are my friends, you know, like, um, yeah, and ha- have had been my friends, you know, like, um, for, you know, since I first met them in the 70s, I think so. Mm, and can you tell us a, a bit more about the prominent political figures that um, feature in this documentary? Yeah, um, oh, there's Aileen Morton Robinson um, there too, Bronwyn Penrith, um, uh, well, these these are significant players, you know, like um, in you know, like uh, in our not just survival, but you know, like uh, in shaping our way forward. And the the documentary explores the ongoing struggles for you know, equality and sovereignty for First Nations people in this country. And we are weeks away from the Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum. Where do you see our future in this country moving forward? I, I think progress will be slow. You know, like, um, as it always ha- has been but um, um, sometimes sometimes um, opportunities arise you know like uh, you have a problem you know from out of nowhere so um, I'm, I'd like to be much more hopeful than I am you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm not a great believer in, in, in hope though so um, I think we're I think we're in for a, a, a Quite a lengthy struggle. Um, like these people, you know, they don't care. You know, the people, the ruling classes, don't care about um, ordinary ordinary people. You know, like they don't they don't care about anybody except themselves. So you know, like uh, the, the selfishness is going to be pretty difficult to overcome. You know, like, uh, but if we don't do something, like um, they're going to kill the planet. So I think it's time for us to start looking. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to share about the documentary and and what you hope the audience takes away from this, uh, especially at this time, you know, leading up to the referendum? This whole process has been really traumatic, you know, for a lot of blackfellas. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, like um, it's it's not been the best thing for us. Uh, um, just I can't wait for it to be finished and over and done with. You know, to be honest, you know, like uh, let us get on on with um, you know trying to improve things. You know, for Blackfellas trying to move things on a, a bit quicker than what you know life. Well, way faster than what. Um, um, the movement, you know, has faced so far. You know, we haven't had much um, improvement in, in our lifestyles and that sort of thing. You know, we've got you know record you know, numbers of Aboriginal children being t- taken away. We've got in in Queensland, we've got you know, children as young as ten being able to to be held in an adult prison. You know, there's so much you know more that we have to do. You know, like so much more we have to. Have to, to fight against you, know, like, and and these things these things are really important. You know, these young, these young kids that they they deserve you know to much better than this. So I'm um, I'll, I'll be standing with um, those people who are fighting you know for those kind of issues moving forward. Is there any final thoughts that you want to share about the documentary before we wrap up? Oh, um, yeah, um, I'd like to encourage the people to to watch it. Richard, thank you so much for joining me today on NITV Radio, and you can go now premieres on SBS and NITV on Sunday the 24th of September at 8.30pm, and you can also catch it on SBS On Demand. So thank you so much for joining me. It's been really great to have you on. No worries. Thank you very much. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV radio. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV radio. Welcome back. I'm your host, Luana Grant, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Still to come on the program, NITV Radio chats to Akala Newman, a proud Wiradjuri and Gadigal singer-songwriter from Sydney. But first, during London Fashion Week, Australia's High Commission has been transformed into an international runway showcasing Indigenous designers. It's the first time a show dedicated exclusively to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander designers has been held at Australia House. This story is produced by Ruth McHugh Dillon and Ben Lewis for SBS News. Australia House is the place where Australians in London come to renew passports and vote in elections. On the 14th of October, it will be the single busiest polling station in the world for Australians voting in the referendum on an Indigenous voice to Parliament. It has also been a movie set for the Harry Potter movies and Wonder Woman. But during London Fashion Week, Australia's High Commission has been transformed into an international fashion destination. In a landmark event, six Indigenous brands have taken to the runway to showcase their looks. Amanda Healy, who founded luxury resort brand Kirikin, says the First Nations fashion show and Aboriginal art exhibition is a unique event. Since 2022, the Kirikin Foundation has collaborated with the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade to make Indigenous fashion brands more commercially viable. We're opening up doors for Aboriginal businesses to be seen on an international stage and the High Commission here is providing the opportunity for that, which is Fantastic. It's, you know, like, what, what more can you ask? 
Guests at the show included designers, influencers, a writer from British Vogue, and even a representative from Buckingham Palace. Kirikan CEO Shannon Maguire says it was an unforgettable moment. It was one of the most amazing experiences I've had in my modelling career, uh, which is a really long time now. I won't give away my age, but it's been, you know, a couple of decades maybe. That was amazing to have international models on the catwalk wearing Indigenous designs was something really, really special. Designer Naomi Collings showcased her label, Kamara Swim. To be honest, it's quite unbelievable that I'm here, that the brand is here. Um, What started as a little brand out of Townsville in North Queensland is now being showcased as commercial ready on an international stage. Despite the distance, Kirikan's Shannon Maguire said she has felt the love from home. The biggest question I've had from Mob is, how do I start working with you? Can I carry a bag? When are you going, sis? Uh, so that, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's been amazing and there's so much support from home, you know, like Mob really get around each other and, you know, have each other's back when we need it and to have them cheering on and showing their support through just even social media has been a lot of fun. For the Australian government, it is also serious business. In 2021, Australia and the United Kingdom signed a free trade agreement, which has only come into force in May this year. High Commissioner Stephen Smith says it has important consequences for First Nations artists. So it means that goods which we export from Australia become tariff-free and quota-free, so that's a a big boon for people selling products into Australia. But there's also... Uh, specific areas of the free trade agreement which help Indigenous artists and Indigenous designers. So if you're selling Indigenous art in Australia and it's subsequently resold in the UK, then the artist gets the royalty. So there's a very significant royalty benefit which flows from that. Royalties have been a prominent issue for First Nations painters whose works have long enjoyed popularity overseas. Ms Healy says now there's a growing appetite for Indigenous fashion too. We know that there's an interest. It's just now starting that process of educating and building information about our products, about our our fashions, about our styles, about our beautiful art and our amazing stories. Combining visual art, fashion and traditional Noongar dance, the show at Australia House has offered just that opportunity. For cultural performer Ashley Penfold-Garlett, it has been a joyous experience. Oh, look, it's everything that I I live for. I'm so passionate about sharing culture. So to have people not necessarily understand these type of dances, my job today is to educate so they have that um, perspective on it. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. SBS is updating its radio schedule. From October 5, there will be more times to listen, with repeated programming on Wednesday, Friday and Saturday at 6pm on SBS One. To find out more, visit sbs.com.au slash audio. NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. Welcome back. You're with NITV Radio. Akala Newman is a proud Wiradjuri and Gadigal singer-songwriter from Sydney and one of the most anticipated First Nations performers and participants in this year's Arts and Cultural Exchange flagship series Ace at Dusk. In a conversation with NITV Radio, Akala Newman said this year's ACE program is the culmination of a 15-month residency. NITV Radio's Birch and Tungandami has more. 
Newman is one of the most anticipated uh, artists and performers at uh, the S at Dusk Exchange 23, an accelerating art and party featuring the works of creative legends, musicians and visual artists uh, in Western uh, Sydney. And I'm glad to say Akala Newman joined us on NITV Radio to talk about her upcoming appearance at the event. Welcome to NITV Radio, Akala. Hello, thank you for having me. Very exciting. Looking at uh, the event and uh, how it's, uh, your participation is described, they say you're a triple threat, poised to ignite uh, the <laughs> night. Uh, I'm not going to describe you. I'll just let you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us how you'll be igniting the night at uh, Ace Exchange. Oh, you know, it's been such a journey and being a part of Ace, um, it really is a community and it's such a family. I was producing at ACE for a very long time and now I'm the advisor um, of First Nations programs there. So it's been wonderful to see this whole night really come into a chrysalis. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. It's um, you know, a result of a 15-month-long residency with June Jones and Sirwa as mentors for these incredible 14 artists who are presenting new original work that's groundbreaking and I'm so excited to be a part of it and um, the way the First Nations program came involved with this I um, initially we had a residency program within our First Nations department and Amy Flannery who was a part of this pretty much came and said you know I've got this new song I would love to present it somehow and I said well why don't we do it with exchange and present it there and Amy also she's just incredible she's a great Wiradjuri woman and a um, producer and she uh, wrote this new song with June Jones and she said to me can you come and write the lyrics and sing on it I was like okay (laughs) so um yeah I'm gonna be uh, singing with her dance company Lost All Sorts Collective which is a First Nations dance company as well Uh, so it should be such a beautiful night of New work and, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, new work. Uh, well, you'll be the cultural advisor and performing at the same time. So dual role in uh, the yeah. exchange. <laughs> wow. wow. Well, I think it's beautiful because we all such, we have such um, cultural care is such an intrinsic part of our practice. So that's what makes our events special, I think, um, creating safer spaces for community to come together to, you know, shine whatever way they want to. And really challenging, you know, particularly for Amy, what First Nations music sounds like. Um, it's going to be such a beautiful song. It's um, very pop and uh, futuristic. So it's this new future sound of um, First Nations creation. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. And uh, th- there will be art and uh, sing- singing and dancing and performing and all that. Uh, as yes, a cultural... Adv- multi-art form. Yeah, yes. it's a multi-art form also bringing together not just First Nations. There are multi- people from multicultural backgrounds, women, uh, all the marginalized communities actually be coming together just to have their artistic expression. And, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I think, you know, um, it's such a special opportunity since, you know, we've been... In COVID, it's like everyone's got these amazing ideas that's just pouring out now. So it's um, a, a really beautiful way to 
uh, see everyone's work come together over the past, you know, really few months and years in whatever way from sculpture to digital work, like music videos and choreography. Yeah, so... One big buffet, I think, is what the yeah. night will be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, it's a, a buffet for the senses, actually. For the senses yeah. will be there. All your eyes, ears, and uh, all the senses will be in high alert just to imbibe themselves in uh, the, 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 the night and uh, the festivities. Will you be performing any of your own uh, songs as well? Because uh, just looking at how you're described uh, as someone who actually defies conventions and... Uh, yeah. Defying convention. You defy. <laughs> oh, that's so true. I think, um, you know, a part of this uh, residency with Amy Flannery um, was really to explore her, you know, new work and the way she wanted to express herself. And I think it's the new sound and the new wave of these First Nations artists coming through to really challenge, you know, not being pigeonholed into what you know, their music is meant to sound like or what people think it's meant to sound like. And um, and for myself, growing up, I found that performing and music really permeated a sense of identity for me and for a lot of First Nations people um, to, yeah, just be true to who you are and live by your own narrative. Um, so it's been great to work with Amy because as both Wiradjuri women and strong women, it's... um. Nice to see this matriarchal lineage coming through, and I'm sure our ancestors would be proud as well. And um, yeah, it's really special to be working with Amy as um, uh, also advising this because you know my whole artistry as well is um on a new journey. And you know after after Amy's performance, I then have another performance the next weekend at the Red Rattler. So it's it's been a very big journey for all of us and I'm I'm so excited to see where it, it goes. Yeah. yeah, I say Amy is Wiradjuri and I forgot to mention in our introductions that uh, you are Wiradjuri and uh, of Gadigal heritage as well. So will yeah. you be singing in uh, language? I would love to if we get the opportunity. <laughs> um, uh, most of my practice, uh, there's kind of two sides of me. One side, I do love to sing in language and reclaim you know our storytelling in that way and then um, the other side is this very you know pop futuristic sound um, so I guess you know we're always walking between these two worlds and how do we bridge them together um, is really interesting so there's definitely um, different crossovers as well and different flows and ebbs of lyrics and sound to create a really experimental piece I think yeah so you, you'll, everyone will just have to come and find out. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> when I read the press release, yeah, you're going to ignite the night and uh, you defy convention. So I, was, I thought, well, this is the person I'd like to talk to. Totally. <laughs> and I think that breaking conventions comes in the process as well of creating. Like we are always collaborating. Like there's never a moment where we're, you know, like that a romantic idea of an artist sitting in their room creating music. It's like you always have, um, you know, your people around you and it is a collaborative process. So even in writing the lyrics, we were all working together to brainstorm, you know, what do we want to say and working with youth to bring that about as well. So even in the way we do things is quite groundbreaking. Um, 
yeah, because it's important for it. Yeah, yeah, if it's yeah. our story, it's going to sort of do it together, yeah. Yeah, you break yeah. conventions also, contemporary fascinations, uh, womanhood, so you just express, the, you know, just show that uh, there's not just one narrative. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Mm. And uh, another thing, you just touched on uh, some of the upcoming uh, projects you're working on. Can you tell us a little bit more? Because after the 16th, it's not over. You just keep working and uh, uh, breaking Well, that's more. the beauty of it. Yeah. yeah. And you also meet new people and you get to collaborate with new people, which I found find the most exciting part of being an artist. Um, and I started my own company called Gilly Gatherings, which means to shine in the Gadigal language. And it's um, a live curated event from uh, shows and residencies and workshops. We had our first Gilly Gatherings Festival at PACT. And now on the 22nd of September, the next rendition of Gilly Gatherings in the form of a concert and residency presentation will be happening at the um, Red Rattler on the 22nd of September. So if you want to see more uh, new First Nations, LGBTQI+, you know, queer uh, storytelling, come and, come and have fun. Take a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's, uh, where can people learn more? Do you have a website? I do have a website. Um, you know, a uh, website's good. It's not always updated. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, but it would be a starting point. It would be a starting it point. It would be. <laughs> but um, yes, on uh, on my website or Facebook or Instagram, you know, those are the best platforms, um, I think, to stay connected uh, with me. Now, before I let you go, any closing thoughts or anything you'd like to add to the conversation, or something important to bring to our listeners' attention? Oh, I just think it's going to be such a beautiful night. And, you know, it's it's springtime. It's all about new beginnings and renewal. And I think it's uh, going to be a really eye-opening night and a fun experience. So um, if anyone's, you know, craving some new uh, groundbreaking work, um, come and have a look. Have a, And we also... Um, We'll be having food and drinks on the night as well, so it should be really special. Yeah. Kella Newman, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on ITV Radio today. Thank you so much for having me. Look forward to seeing everyone there. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV Radio. And that's all we have time for on today's program. You can listen back to the show anytime online or catch any of our stories on our website at sbs.com.au. NITV Radio will be back on Friday, 1 till 2 p.m. Sorry, NITV Radio will be back next week, Monday, Wednesday and Friday, 1 till 2 p.m. with more stories from right across the country. Today we leave you with a track by Electric Fields. I'm your host, Lawana Grant. Mandungor, have a great weekend. So